No more Mr. Nice Duck. Drop that zero and get with the hero. <laughs> Excuse me? Greetings, Starfighter. You have been recruited by the Star League to defend the frontier against Sur and the Kodan Armada. And now, ladies and gentlemen, any further questions? Bar, yeah, please. For the first one who buys one, right? Ah. Souvenirs, novelties, party tricks. Apparently it's rusted junk and we're looking at it. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Rusted Junk. This time we'll be taking the 1988 film Moving Target, starring Jason Bateman, China Phillips and Tom Skerritt. Toby, what can I do for you? I was wondering if I could use your phone. Ours, uh, isn't working. Not planning to call Hong Kong, are you? Not today. Phone's in the kitchen, just inside there. Saw Jody out mowing the lawn a couple days ago. You kids are growing up too damn fast. A couple days ago? The number you have dialed is no longer in service, and there is no new number. Please make sure you are dialing correctly. Nice. Don't you think you and Mom could have at least left a forwarding number? Cambridge Parks Financial. Uh, Joseph Kellogg, please. I'm sorry, he's no longer with his company. Do you know where I can find him? Sorry, I don't. Can I please speak to Mr. Cambridge? Mr. Cambridge's office. Yeah, may I please speak to Mr. Cambridge? This is really important. I'm sorry, he's out of the office just now. I'm gonna leave you back. That I don't know, sir. Okay, can I get a message to him? Sir, if you would like to leave work... Look, just tell him that I'm looking for my father, and I'm going to Westwood, and I'll call him back later. Aren't you forgetting something? Um... Oh, thank you very much. Your name. Don't you think you ought to give me your name? Oh, yeah. Toby Kellogg. Thank you. How are the folks doing? Haven't seen your dad around much. What's he up to? I don't know. I just got home from camp, and while I was gone, they moved. Moved? Where to? I don't know. You sure? Place is empty, Mr. Bauman. They're gone. Phone's been disconnected the whole shot. You think... Parents ever wish they weren't parents sometimes? This is one of those things you. Okay, so that was the only video clip of Moving Target that we could find. Usually we play a trailer, um, and the trailer gives you a feel for the idea for the film. Um, all you get from that, if you watch that, is basically we might have done a bit of a plot spoiler, but not really, because we'll be mentioning plenty of plot spoilers in this. But as ever, we always advise you to watch the film and then listen along with our wonderful observations and our <laughs> biting insight into the uh, into all things 80s. Um, first of all, what did you think of the film? Do you know what? I actually really liked the film. Really? Yeah, really. So much to the point, I actually didn't want to stop it to go to the loo. <laughs> That's the Blimey. sign of a good movie for me. And I noticed you weren't making a lot of notes. No, I wasn't, because I was too busy watching the film. Right, okay. Yeah, so oh. I've only actually got three things that I wrote about the film, whereas before I've written, like, ooh, at least two pages. Right, so we're basically going to have to... Try and remember. Well, you're going you're gonna to have to try and remember. I, I fondly remember. I fondly remember. Uh, well, do you not, do you not um, remember the premise? <laughs> Anyone who doesn't know what this podcast is about, go and listen to episode one, which is the introduction. But basically, I have watched near enough all of these films. And, you know, I have, well, geek-like memory, you may say, about some things. Mm. But yeah, that's pretty much so. I, I enjoy it. I mean, there are going to be films that I'm going to lie and say that I enjoy so, just so that Amanda watches them. But then, you know, we'll find out which ones ah, they are. Bit of a okay. lucky dip. Bit of a lucky dip. <laughs> Let's see where we go. A ducky lip, eh? Something like that. Anyway, um, 
I, 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 I rewatched it, and it is it's standard eighties TV movie. I mean, it is pretty much stick it on, watch it, and just have fun with it because it's just what it is. Yeah, the thing is, though, I'd never heard of it. Well, you wouldn't have done. You but went straight no, to video no, in the eighties. Well, we what? went straight to video. Yeah, pretty much. That's why there's no trailer. <laughs> I mean, oh. there was there was a trailer. It was too good a movie to go straight to video, though. Well, loads of things went straight to video. Oh crikey, you're you're going to have loads of fun on the journey of this okay. uh, of films that you go. <laughs> Wait a minute, chances are never heard of that starring Robert Downey Jr. What? There's a film with Molly Ringwald and Robert Downey Jr. called The Pickup Artist. Yes, the these things never called The Pickup Artist. Oh. We're not doing that one next. We're not doing what, a, a in, Robert like, Downey truck. Jr. Hmm? A truck. A pickup truck. No? A pickup artist. He's good at he's good at picking up women. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Okay. So um I can't bold really remember that one that much. But no, we're not doing it next because that'll be Robert Downey Jr. heavy. And I've looked at where our podcast is listened to, and I haven't matched up where Robert Journey Jr. lives. Easy for you to say. I'm just imagining that he may have listened to the third to the third episode, which is chances are, and gone, I'm bored, it's an afternoon, I don't have anything to do. Do you know what? I wonder if anyone's made a podcast of that film I did. Do you really think you've chances- done that? Well, let's put it let's put it this way. If you made a film and and you were really successful, successful artist. Oh God! And everyone's talking about the Avengers. Yeah, Iron Man. Oh, he's amazing. He's brilliant. He can listen to hundreds of podcasts that tell him that, and he is. He's wonderful as Iron Man. Not as good as Captain America, but anyway. No, he's great. He's, anyway, he's, but he's the hero. Well, we all have our favourites. Can you imagine being being that and going? Ah, oh, I wish people would appreciate my early work. I bet nobody remembers that now. I bet nobody's talking about it. Do you think well, he remembers it? Absolutely. <laughs> well. He died and came back, so yeah. Oh, wait a minute, he doesn't remember it because of the syringe. Yeah, but anyway, when the angel puts the syringe and makes hmm. him forget everything. No, but that's acting. That's a joke. Oh. Right, okay, fine. <laughs> anyway, go and watch Chances Are if you want to know what God, we've been we've babbling on are. in the past. Yeah, come on, let's yeah, move but, No, target. but that's what I'm saying is yeah, no, the but... Robert Downey Jr. would go, I'll tell you what, I'll type Chances Are into the podcast. I might get some sort of dating podcast or something like that. And no, we have spoken about it. We have done it. We have talked about it. Do you honestly think he's going to waste his time? Do you think our podcasts are a waste of time? (laughs) Well, they're not exactly professional, are they? Well, I don't know. We we, we (laughs) forked out for these mics. (laughs) We already had quite good infrastructure. We're so well trained. Right, anyway. Anyway. Back to the back to the film. So, well, hello, Robert Downey Jr. If you're listening, yeah, hi. Or pretty much Sybil Shepherd could be listening. She could. Good. She's not dead, is she? No. No. That's good. That's good. No. Oh, hi, Sybil. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for moonlighting. Um, if you are listening, uh, if you are listening, we'd love you to get in touch. Any any stars that listen to our <laughs> podcast, we'd love you to get in touch. How do they get in touch? I don't know. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Should we create... We'll have some sort of Twitter feed. So if you do want to get in touch, hold that thought and we'll create something and put it in the next podcast. We'll have a barrage of insults. We'll have trolls. Oh, cool. I like trolls. <laughs> what, like the little plastic things no. with the big hair? No. Oh, okay. What, like the Norwegian things that hide under the bridge? No? no. Okay. The Justin Timberlake Anna Kendrick cartoon series? No. no. Okay, must be another one then. Mm. Anyway, back to the film. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that Jason Bateman carries this entire thing. He does. He does. And he's, I, th- he's, I think he, he's amazing. He is amazing. Do you know what? You probably don't know this. And this seems to actually be a bit of a running theme here. Well, I used to fancy Jason Bateman. Yeah, I did, yeah. Well, I used to fancy Robert Downey Jr. I think he's, uh, he's, he's like, got better with age. Like Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I don't know because when you you were swooning all over Chances Are, you were like, "Oh God, look at him! He just looks amazing." I didn't realise he was like, "Yep, that's pretty much Robert Downey Jr. Mm. in the eighties." Yeah, mm. well, you didn't really watch a lot of his stuff in the eighties. Yes, well, in the eighties, what? Uh, I'd have been at least in nineteen eighty. I'd have been six. So, 
Oh, did, was it making films in, in 1980? Okay, so 1989? Right, it's first one, 85, weird science. Well, I would have been 11. So much weird science. I was watching. I was only. Oh, t- I watched Weird Science, but I don't remember him in that. Yes, he plays one of the bullies. No, you see, I don't remember him in oh. that. Look, do you, anyway. we could we could just do a whole stream of eighties. We'll change the name of the podcast to the Robert Downey Jr. eighties, sometimes straight to DVD film review. And then what about Jason Bateman, he's going to get a bit peed off about that. Didn't do he? an awful. This is the thing. When you look at his filmography, there's a massive gap. He kind of like stopped doing things for when? a certain time. Um, I don't know. I should research it, but I, I did have a look at it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, so okay, so he did Team Wolf two, he did Moving Target, you know, blah blah blah. He was in Silver Spoon. So when he was little, he was in Silver Spoons. He was in like oh, wasn't he in um, like a, a sitcom as well in America? Yes, he was. And glad you brought that up. Yeah, because here's I didn't watch it. Oh, I loved it. It was called, it called? The Hogan Family. That's it. And it was fantastic. And it just showed he carried that as well. It's pretty much anything you put Jason Bateman into. Apart mm. from Arrested Development, obviously, he's one of the main characters in that. But there's so many characters in Arrested Development, you can't say one character, the whole lot carry it. Mm. I don't think I that, but when you get to Ozark, you're like, oh, well, it's just another level he stuff, isn't get, it? gets himself into just even more... Deep dude, isn't yeah, it? absolutely. And then he can do he comedy. Tries to resolve one thing, and then gets caught up in something else, and then has to try and rectify that. And yeah, and it's all about. <sighs> so, you've got that, um, and then you've got his comedy thing with horrible bosses and things like that, and he's just unbelievably good. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I, I, and don't forget it's uh, Zootopia. Oh, Nick, Nick Wild. Nick Wild. Nick Wild. You see, anyway. when I, when I. <laughs> When I was watching movie Target, all I was thinking was the fox. So you were thinking about the um, velvety pipes of Jerry Vole? Well, not Jerry Vole himself. Yeah. But, yeah. Still, I hope I get that album for Christmas. Just, yeah. Funny. Okay. Anyway, right. Um, back to the film. So it stars Jason Bateman, China Phillips. China Phillips? Who? China Phillips. Well, China Phillips appeared in two. <laughs> great films in the 80s of which are on the forgotten list Some Kind of Wonderful which was a John Hughes film that he made after Ferris Bueller and Breakfast Club and Pretty in mm. Pink oh, I've heard of that yep and she, he, she also starred Is as she? Mimi in Say Anything the John Cusack film where, where t- I guess to you it's the one where he holds the stereo up it's the iconic image of John Hughes holding the stereo up oh, trying to yeah, trying to get his yeah. so he plays one of the characters girlfriends um, and basically, Corey, his best, John Cusack's best mate, is trying to get a boyfriend back because he's going out with Mimi, who's China Phillips. So China Phillips obviously thought, do I either do acting or do I do singing? And she then was part of the formation of Wilson Phillips, which is formed of uh, uh, the two um, Wilson sisters, uh, Brian Wilson sisters, Carney and Wendy. Brian Wilson's sisters. Brian Brian Wilson's daughters, sorry. Daughters. Brian Wilson, legendary, legendary Beach Boys uh, singer. Um, And so, yeah, so they formed a kind of super group because China Phillips is the daughter of the mamas and papas, Melanie Phillips. So, yes, there's kind of musical heritage there. So they formed this band. Their first album sold over 100 million records. Hmm. It's a lot, you see. Wilson Phillips were big for a while. What? what? Name me a song. I don't really remember them. When you hold on for one more day. Oh, that's really on. annoying. Well, well, if you think that's annoying, I bought all the albums. There was, oh, God. Um, their next biggest hit after that got to number 38. I think it was called You're In Love off the Shadows and Light album. But yeah, of course, very well known. Very well known. Very well known to those who are Wilson Phillips fans. Anyway, let's not overlook the other star power in this series. Fresh, you may say, off uh, Top Gun is Viper from Top Gun. Tom Skerritt plays uh, Jason Bateman's dad. And at this point, it's probably best to say um, Jason Bateman's name in this, which might be one of the best names in the in the eighties. I previously said that that belonged to Lieutenant Dwight Smiley. You did? I did. You did. I'm not saying it's better than that, 
I'm saying it comes close if your name is called Toby Kellogg. Because <laughs> that's great. <laughs> if he has kids, then he takes... Do you want... What do you want for... What do you want for breakfast, kids? Kellogg's, please. Yes, I know you are, but what would you want for breakfast? I've <laughs> been dying to do that joke for ages. Um... <laughs> Anyway, right, so, Toby Kellogg. Right, the premise of the film is uh, his dad is an accountant. Um, uh, uh, it starts... It's, what? Don't, there's, no, there's no joke to beat that. great. Okay, if I, if I knew better... If I was better at, like, editing skills, I would have just put a t- tumbleweed in there. What? Why, why would he no my joke works because he's like Kellogg's and I'm like yes I know you are but what would you like for breakfast they're great what, what's great <laughs> Kellogg's Frosties they didn't ask for that they just said Kellogg's <laughs> they like breakfast cereal. oh god anyway right so you can tell my, my joke's been polished <laughs> yours yours is barely uh, barely cut to the diamond oh my god anyway okay. right premise of the yes. film um, the quick spoiler for them is that his parents, he comes home and his parents have disappeared. I know. But, wait a minute, before we, get to that, before we get to that oh. point, yeah, I know, before we get to that point, we've got a bit of a lead up. Oh. China Phillips is in it because she plays one of the characters because Toby Kellogg, uh, we'll just call him Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman is going off to, to music summer school. Band camp. Band camp, yes, a lot happens at band camp. And... He's basically auditioning somebody to be the keyboard player while he's away, and, and it's China Phillips. The band are incredibly, incredibly sexist towards her. They just don't yeah, want her in the band. Them. Yeah, they don't want her in the band. Um, they uh, all think that Jason Bateman, Jason Bateman wants her in the band because he wants to do rude things with her. I, uh, I was, you know, look at the age I was when I watched Moving Target. <laughs> I pretty much would have. Uh, well, I fancy. I fancy China Phillips. I fancy China Phillips. Of course I did. God, what red-blooded teenager wouldn't at that time? Yeah, well, she's very attractive. And she she's still very, very attractive. Skimpy clothes on it. She does, but I mean, yeah. you know, this is the eighties. It was the time, it's the place. Yeah. No. Um. So, I get the feeling that she auditioned for this band. She's in the band in the film. And that was the last film she made before she started Wilson Phillips. So, did she get the idea to form Wilson Phillips because she enjoyed playing somebody in a band? Good question. Mm. Probably not. Well, why would you think not? Mm. She wouldn't get the idea. Oh, I really enjoyed playing this in a well, band. Quite. She'd have she'd have followed her dad blooming touring, wouldn't she? She'd have known all about band life. She would have done, but... Oh, well, okay. Like I think. Oh, 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 I know. I could have formed a band. Yeah, I kind of like playing I've not this had band. Any experience thing. of being or watching bands before. Is it that incredulous that she could have got the idea? Yeah. What? And then eighteen months later, she goes, "Oh, let's form Wilson Phillips." Well, that either one of the biggest bands of the nineties or the eighties, depending on when the, the, because it was right on the cusp of. When does it start? When do you become a nineties? Do you become a nineties band in nineteen ninety? Yeah. Onwards. Well, yeah. Generally yeah. the first 1990s when January, when 1990s yeah, yeah. start, I guess. That's true, yeah, okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> one thing he said is um, <coughs> his best mate um, is a bit of a dick in the start. He's a bit of a dick to women, isn't he? He's like, harasses those women as he passes them in the car. Oh, and yeah, he's like, they're like really like off and really not very respectful at all. Yeah, he's, he's... And the women don't say a lot. The girls don't really do much about it. They'll just accept it. And you're like, you're a bit of a... Yeah, there's a bit of... Mis- there's a bit of... There's a little undercurrent of the... Eighth, not as much as some of the films we're going to watch. But there's a bit of an undercurrent. It, he does that. And he kind of like gropes the women. And Because mm. Tom... Sk- I know I'm skipping a bit here. But Tom Skerritt, when he's working late, right at the start. Mm. And the boss comes in and said... Uh, oh, you appear to be working late a lot. It's because Tom Skerritt's uncovered some sort of financial irregularity, but we'll get to that in a moment. His boss actually says, 
isn't it about time you get went home and gave that wife of yours a little attention? And you're like, that's perfectly harmless in the 80s. But can you imagine going into a... Imagine a boss now saying that. Okay, okay, Richard. Um, you're working too late at this law firm or whatever firm. Um, it's about time you went home and gave that wife of yours some attention. Really? He might not have a wife. Well, he, he might have a wife. He can you imagine saying husband. that now? It just feels a bit weird. It, yeah. But it feels weird looking at films back. I, I watched Sixteen Candles last year as part of a John Hughes uh, movie marathon of four mm. films. That doesn't age well. It's still a great film. But my goodness, the millennials in the audience were like gasping mm. because they're kind of like, really? Was this the thing? I mean, Pretty in Pink Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller, they all hold up. They, you know, there's little bits in there, but crikey, do not insult the holy grail of John Hughes in the 80s but 16 Candles did get gasps from the audience mm. and I guess when you go back and have a look at these films there are always going to be things in there that are a product of the times yeah but being a dick to women has never been a good thing and the guy is anyway right um so uh Tom Skerritt leaves he's followed um he's kind of like looking through the figures and he's got this like slide rule and he's looking through at the start and as he's looking through, it kind of like, he kind of like the camera pans and he, and he looks and he's like stunned at what he's seeing. And you're meant to, you're meant to think he's just spotted something like financial irregularities. When he gets to, to the fact and he goes for, for dinner with a, what he thinks is a client, it turns out to be the FBI. The FBI say, oh yeah, we've been, we've been noting you for months. And he says, oh yeah, you know, like I've been spotting it for months. And you're like... So why have you just had a slide rule and it looks like it's the first time you've seen that there's a couple of zeros added to something or some mm. money taken out? It's very strange. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I put it was hassling the woman in the rickshaw. That was the thing that I uh, that I wrote down. Anyway, they he meets with the FBI. Meet with him uh, at this you know supposed meeting with the client. It's actually a front for the FBI to meet him and say, "Would you become a star witness?" against your boss, the one that's just told you to give your wife more attention. And even if he hadn't spotted the financial irregularities, I'll say, yeah, my boss is a dick, so yeah, of course I'll help you. Oh, and do you know what? Do you know, when he leaves the, leaves that office to go and give his wife some attention, except he's not going to, he's going to meet with the FBI, unbeknown to him at the FBI, what does he do? He switches monitor off. Yeah. He doesn't switch his computer off. He just switches off. Oh, here we off. go. Wait a minute. We should have a uh, we should have a little thing that goes ding ling ling like a little bell and it's called Auditor Alert. Oh. Auditor Alert. Ding ding ding. You're like, come on, you've got to log out, mate. Log out. Well how would switch you log off. out of one of those machines? You basically oh, have to switch it's not it off. Networked, is it? No. It's that old. Well yeah. Well it might be. I bet they boot. Nineteen eighty eight. Nineteen eighty eight? Well of course they did. 1988, probably network. Yeah, but just you don't press Windows key and L to lock it or Control Alt Delete. You you physically have to turn like to log off. Yeah, but like just switching the monitor off isn't going to turn the computer off, is it? So if he's been delving into stuff he shouldn't have delved into, he could have got found out by just switching the monitor back on and going, oh look. What's he been looking at? That's true. Shouldn't be looking at that. Tom Skerritt, um, if you're listening, then future film roles, can you keep your um, sort of ISO 27001 information security hat on and and bring some sort of realism to the roles that you play? Because obviously the prop that you switched, that you didn't switch (laughs) off. It's just not good. I don't think there was a computer on. That's the thing. Hey? I don't think there was a computer on. He was using a slide rule on paper. I think there was a computer it wasn't using a slide rule on the monitor. I mean, no, nobody no, does that. No, no, no. Unless you're you know. Odd. Anyway, just a, just an observation. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. End of auditor alert. There'll mm. probably be more. I don't know. No, I haven't written anything else. I've only written three things because right. I was so engrossed watching the film. Anyway, the boss arrives. The, F- the FBI operation's in jeopardy. Why is it in jeopardy? Because the boss that's just told him to go home and see his wife is, uh-huh, what are the chances, dining at the same restaurant. So basically, the FBI says, we need to get him out of here. It was a rubbish place to have a meeting, in plain sight in front of all these people. They might as well have just had the FBI badges on them going, hi, this is a setup. They bundle Top Scare it out the back and bundle him into a van, and that's the end. 
cut to Jason Bateman at Bandcamp. Um, oh, can I just say about Bandcamp? Mm. Right. It's really funny because everyone at Bandcamp is like mid sort of teens, mid teens to late teens, yeah. would you say? Yeah. Yeah. They've got child's bunk beds. <laughs> I, didn't you notice, notice I didn't notice that, that though. <laughs> and you like the size that Jason Bateman is. I mean, I know he's not an extra tall guy, but just looking at the bunk beds, he ain't going to be able to stretch out on those bunk beds. He's going to have to curl up into fetal position to actually get any sleep there. Well, you wouldn't get any sleep like that, would you? Oh, just like... Maybe it's a sleep deprivation camp, <laughs> and which which is masquerading as a as a music thing. Basically, it might be a test by the military to see how, how far they so can they still can play their it. instruments. They don't need to do tests like that. They just need to watch the Rolling Stones because I mean, if anyone can, if anyone can keep playing after that, it's the. They sleep on really small bunk beds. Then. It's the old Keith Richards gag that Bill Hicks used to, uh, that Dennis Leary used to do, um, which is um, Keith uh, Keith Richards in the nineties appearing on television t- telling kids not to do drugs, and Dennis Leary says, "Keith, we can't do drugs because you've already done them all." <laughs> Supposedly. Yes, he said, when they die, they'll have to smoke your ashes. <coughs> oh, my God. Anyway, Dennis. Dennis yeah, Leary. so Love Dennis Leary. Um, yeah, So, yeah, he well. packs off into to bank, bank camp. In his, in his box, he packs a computer, some cassettes, two keyboards. It was, like, <laughs> you brilliant. You actually noted that down? I did. I did, because the striking parallel was, when he gets to there, he's not allowed to use keyboards. Everything's, like, from the 1930s. He has to use a piano, they have to use the trombone, they have to play a harp, and it's like, this is 1988, you know, synth is is years old, a decade old, yeah, if not more. It looks like they're in the middle of absolutely nowhere. They're in a band camp, it looks like the exact same band camp that's in American Pie. Well, it looks like it's in the middle of nowhere. I well, it's in a, I doubt it's in they a camp. a lot of electricity, so they probably couldn't have... You think, they went to a, you think they went to a, a camp to play 1930s instruments, basically sitting around a fire until it runs out and says, quick, we need to go into our abnormally small beds <laughs> <laughs> to get some sleep. <laughs> what, kind of camp, what kind of camp is this? It's horrible. Bank camp. Well, it's pretty horrible. Anyway, they're playing the 1930s instruments. It's all old stuff and stuff like this. Um, he, phones, he phones China Phillips. I had a, band camp is a plane ride away. We know that a plane ride, a plane trip, trip, plane flight away. Okay, so we know it's, it's, it's a we, little bit far. We know it's far away, right? So he he just strolls into the office, picks up the phone, phone China Phillips. Yeah, how's the band? How's all this? There's no monitoring. No. He just walks in there and just makes a long long distance phone call, and we all know how pricey they were. Maybe they were reverse charges. Well, he never said that. He just picked it up, dialed the number, and went, "Yeah, how's the band?" And yeah. she went, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's really good." And it's almost like, do they all get? Is there a queue of people behind there waiting for their ten-minute slot? If there is, basically, all anybody's doing at night is queuing up, waiting for their slot to phone home. Hmm. Unless they get it written down on a piece of paper. They didn't have fast passes in those days. You can come back at ten past nine, and you can talk to mum or whatever. Anyway, um, he phones dad, uh, and basically said you know um, the FBI have said to his dad don't act suspicious you know he picks up talks to his dad um, and his dad is talking very plainly but not very there's all, there's all like a bit of code um, so yeah um, he's back at camp he then oh, I have to just say something now go on there's some really really bad instrument playing acting as well. Do you oh yes, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're not that, playing the instruments. But Jason but, Bateman's not playing the piano. No, 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 no. Yeah. But do you not remember? He's walking through band camp outside, and people are practicing their instruments. And then I think there's a, a little, like, kind of guy, a teenager, sat on like a, a stool or something outside, and he's got one of those massive, great big. Are they, are they tubers or something? For tuba, yeah. And it. And it trying to play it but oh, you know, his, he's cheeks, like, his cheeks aren't matching up to what he's playing yeah it's like really bad fake playing <laughs> <laughs> okay it's like Top of the Pops then <coughs> yeah for those that for those who are following us who remember Top of the Pops 
Robert, mm. da- Robert Downey Jr. won't know who Top of the Pops is. Mm. Um, he might do. Well, if you want to know, when we when we figure out a way to get communicated, just get in touch and we'll tell you all about it. Yeah, let's get communicated. There's a couple of characters that presented Top of the Pops that we'll have to leave out for legal reasons, but, you know, that's, um, that's ongoing. Um, he's not happy because he picks up a newspaper at band camp and he sees, I don't know why, his band would be in a newspaper he's a plane don't forget he's a plane plane ride plane flight away he's a long way away Hmm. but he picks up the paper which must be a national paper because the local paper wouldn't be cared about a band that's like miles away picks up a national paper and can see that they're doing well i forgot what the headline was but it's basically like you know a record deal yeah so this band gets a record deal so he phones home he's like going oh what the hell's going on um, can't get through, so basically decides to leave band camp, packs up all his stuff and decides to go. Hmm. And But his photo, his mugshot isn't in the photo, is it? No, because China Phillips is in the photo. Yeah. Because the band has been successful without him. Um, actually, I'm not sure he is a plane ride away, because he hitchhikes and then gets on top of a garbage truck and that takes him all the way home. Now, that raises an interesting question, because... He must have... No, because his bandmate picks him up at the airport. No, he, he gets he out on the garbage truck. He doesn't and then gets the to garbage the, truck. He gets that's, on top of it. That's later on in the film. No, no, no. I've got... He was hitchhiking. No, he doesn't hitchhike to get to the airport. He rides on top of a garbage truck. Oh, on the top. Yeah, yes. he, he kind of jumps up onto the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. Yeah, anyway, yeah. so he does fly. His mate picks him up at the other side. Oh, it's a fire engine, the other one, isn't it? Yeah. And basically drops him off and they said, there you are, dude. Uh, and he's like going, what's going on with the band? He's going, look, you know, you're in, still in the band. Of course she is. She's out. I mean, if she if she is the catalyst that got the record deal, he's quite blasé about going, oh, we'll just kick her out, put you back in. It's like saying, oh, we just signed the Rolling Stones with Charles Hunter. And he'd be like, well, who's he? Oh, well, that's not what we signed. We signed it with Keith Richards. Oh, well, we changed the band back here. It wouldn't happen. No. Anyway. So, uh, he gets back home, he opens the door, and what does he find? Nothing. Nothing? Absolutely nothing. No furniture, no anything. Everything's been taken. All the fittings and fixtures are out. I was absolutely mortified when I saw that, because I just thought... Didn't you guess that something like that was going to happen, or...? No, well... I think I might I have know, I might have told you. I was so engrossed in the film, I just thought, oh my God, that's awful. Mm. Imagine your parents, like, just up in and leaving and not even telling you. And, like, you'd go through all that kind of emotion of, like, rejection and was it something I did or why have they just gone? Why haven't they told me? Yeah. And I actually felt really sad at that point. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I just put myself in that situation. It was like absolutely horrendous. Yeah, because there's nothing. There's nothing. And even his best mate doesn't know. And that's where the bit, the the clip that you heard at the start, that's where it kicks in. Mm. Because he's in shock because his parents are out and he goes over and talks to his neighbour and then says, no, they've all gone. And his neighbour said, well, they were there two days ago. You know, it's not like they... Mowing the lawn or something. Yeah, they're mowing the lawn. Mm. So... Um. yeah I mean the funny thing about that was he goes from his house before he talks to the neighbour he talks to the guy that's cutting the lawn and so, oh, yeah. and, and basically you don't hear what they say because it's kind of like a montage thing and he's like uh, and basically it, he asks him a two second question to which the, the person shakes his head as if to go oh, well, I don't know where they are right what can you ask in two minutes <coughs> Sorry, two seconds. <laughs> Hello, do you know where mum and dad are? <laughs> yeah, but, right, so if you ask that quickly, wouldn't the follow-up question would be, why, is there something wrong? Because he lives in the neighbourhood. Or it could be, have you seen my folks? No. No, but he's not, he's panicked. He's obviously panicked because he's in shock because he's, he's got pain on his face. Or he could, or he could say... Did you mow my grass? Okay, time me in your head, right? I've wait a minute. <laughs> I did quite quickly. I've come home from band camp and there's no furniture and my parents have gone. That wasn't two seconds. <laughs> that was. It wasn't. Right, okay, I can do it now. 
I've come back home and my parents have gone. Just about. Oh wait a minute, which which? But with the noise. But of the he wouldn't. You wouldn't shake your head at that and go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, any challenge uh, when we do finally get a way to do it um, to communicate, send in what how you would ask that. Watch the film. What, you'll what know exactly. Does he say? What does he say in two seconds? To the gardener. Yeah. Mm. That elicits just a. No, I haven't seen him. It can't be as simple as have you have you seen my folks have dis. He, he won't just go. Oh, have you seen my folks? Like as in, oh, they they are bingo again. It's not like that. It's it's like. I'm in shock. You can see the shock in my face. Oh my god! Did my parents disappear? I mean, even then you wouldn't get anyway. That would that would be for another time. <coughs> so anyway, um, he gets the calls the police as he would. He's a young kid at the end of the day. No, he doesn't. He does. His neighbour does. Oh, he calls him for him. Yeah, he phones the law firm to see if he can speak to his dad, um, and it's by pure chance that he doesn't actually get through to the boss, the boss who's been investigated, who his dad has actually gone under witness protection. Spoiler, but then if you've watched the film, you know that already. So he gets the police, and the police come, put him in the back of the car, and instead of checking, instead of doing all any checks or anything like that, they tell Jason Bateman, oh yeah, um, you're going straight into care. Yeah. Yeah, it's quick. Yeah, it's, you're, it's not, sudden. you're a minor, it's, you're not over the age of, was it 18 or something? Yeah, he said, I'm 17. He goes, oh, you need to be over 18. And he's like, what? Anyway, so this is a massive shock. So let's let's take a moment to spit over Jason Bateman. You said the shock when he goes into the house. It's the two second thing, the question that he asked for the shaky head. Then the neighbour who's doesn't seem to be that concerned that he who must have seen the moving vans, who must have seen the house being dismantled, but but didn't because he lives and, right and opposite. See him. the car gone. Yeah. Because they should have had curtains up and everything. They had nothing left. There's nothing it was left. A, literally a shell of. Shell of a house. house, exactly. So anyway, um, he dives out of the car, um, out the police car. Yeah. Policeman, uh, to no avail, chases after him. Brings his best mate, says, can I stay with you? And he says, yep, okay. Um, and a bit like Iron Eagle, you know when he's told his dad, it's, he's told his dad is shot down. Mm. What does he do? Instead of going home being maudlin about it, he goes to the prom. Because that's what his dad would have wanted. <laughs> right, remember? What does he do? Instead of going, oh, well, I think I need to go and, go and search for my parents, he goes to a party. He goes to a party with his best mate. His best yeah, mate says, right. and he's wearing this garish yellow jacket that will come into play in a moment. Meanwhile, the person, uh, the boss that made the inappropriate comment who the dad is in witness prote- protection to because he's money laundering for the mob hmm. he the ban- the boss hires a hitman to kill Toby Kellogg because or basically kidnap him so that they can hold him for ransom hmm. and say come back otherwise the kid gets it or something like that yeah don't, right. don't uh, grass on me basically. absolutely yeah. so what happens is his parents have disappeared he goes to this party um, and he takes his jacket off he has a conversation with his with his mate um, <coughs> who doesn't seem to be taking it seriously they have a bit of a scuffle don't they they have a bit of a fight um, and he throws his jacket at him and the mate picks it up and he wears it anyway Hitman who's like probably what late 20s something like that early 30s he comes in dressed as Don Johnson from Miami Vice basically comes into the party holding a beer going yeah does anyone know where Toby Kellogg is and and then one guy goes yeah the, he's it's the dude in the yellow jacket mm. so because the hitman hasn't got had the basic nails to pick up a picture of the of Jason Bateman he takes the he takes he just goes for his best mate who's wearing his jacket mm. and then says finds a way to bring him outside and then says oh you know I've got a cool car and he goes and the, me, the best mate goes oh can I drive it he goes yeah, let's go for more beer and stuff like this. Yeah, really bit weird. Yeah, so they take him to the house where the boss is, and the boss goes, who the jiggins is this? And he's like, why? Is this not Toby Kellogg? No. Oh. So, unfortunately, 
Um, he drives the best mate, unbeknownst to Jason Bateman, who's disappeared now. Unbeknownst to him, he takes him to a cliff top, which yeah, does ha- which sure does have a barrier. That's been in other films. What? That particular cliff top. Do you know, I think it's been in Commando I, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've not actually been. Is this set in LA? Uh, yes, I assume so. Yeah. Is Hollywood in LA? I'm yes. A bit mixed up. Yeah. yeah. But I think you know it's at the top of the Hollywood sign. I'm sure it is. Well. Where the, you can I don't see think the, are, the, the landscape of LA, basically. Well, for all those people that might know this, who worked on Moving Target, <laughs> you don't know who's going to type into a podcast. It might be the, the second Dolly Grip or something that worked on Moving Target. Because I wonder if anyone's talked about the film that I've done. And, you know, the scenes I created and stuff like this. Yeah. It might do. Yeah, if somebody has inside it? knowledge, where was it? Exactly. It would say at the bottom, it would say on location filming, but it just say Los Angeles. <laughs> So here's the sad bit, and I, I always thought it was a sad bit when I first saw it, so I'm going to cut back now to 1988 when I rented it from GT Video in Oswestry. Um, uh, th- oh, did, did they get it Love back? GT. Oh yeah, I, I, I regularly, you used to put the new releases did aside for me. you it before you gave it back? I couldn't condone piracy in any way, shape or form. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on. Uh, so, oh, I must be trained the thought, because... I don't know because when I when I watched it, I genuinely felt for this next bit because the hitman obviously had got the nod from the boss as in like, you need to get bump him much. off. You need to yeah. yeah. He's just seen me. Ah, yeah, because he he said to him, oh, oh, aren't I you, know who you are. Yeah, aren't you? Uh, aren't you such and such from such and such? Because he's seen a picture in the paper. That's who we were picture in the paper. That's right. Anyway, the hitman <laughs> shoots him and and he falls off the edge of a cliff. Although we've disputed this because you don't think he actually falls off the cliff. But he's so near to the cliff, even though it's got one of those tiny little chain barriers, it must have just fallen over. Or he was just like lobbed over the side. But surely, if you're a hitman, you're going to cover your tracks. You're going to like... What's cover? What's throwing it down the hill? I mean, you don't know what that... That could be somebody's swimming pool at the bottom of that. And suddenly they're there having a, having a nice party and the music's going and suddenly everyone goes, yeah, let's do shots. And then there's a splash in the pool <laughs> because the hitman's not worked out where everything should go might as well have just left him on the top because yeah, nobody uses that road man, oh he is really pretty is he is pretty bad I wouldn't hire him not that I've got any need for a hitman but <clears throat> anyway I've had looks of his competences and skills levels I think first meanwhile Jason Bateman goes to China Phillips and goes oh I don't know what to do uh, and he goes back to where oh, they no, rehearse no, no. No, no, no. They go after that bit, straight after that bit, they go back to his best mate's garage, which is where they rehearse. China Phillips is there because his best mate's mum comes out and goes, oh, was it? Oh, yeah. And he said he was at the party. I don't know where he is now. So, yeah, that's the immediate scene after that. Right, but the cops turn up at the party. Oh, the, yeah, the FBI were looking for him. Yeah. But the FBI looking the, for him all the way through the film, yeah. Yeah, the cops turn up at the party and say... Oh, we're looking for Toby, Toby Kellogg. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and then one of like his so-called mates went, "Yeah, he's just left." And you're like, "You wouldn't tell the cops you that." Would tell you? that. Be I like, "Oh shit, man! The cops have turned up. We've got like." I have to beat that one out because we and, don't swear on oh, the podcast. We no, we have to tick a thing like an explicit thing. Oh, sorry. Okay, I'll have to edit that bit out. Um, we're like, oh no, uh. We've got loads of booze. We're underage drinking. Yes. Cops have turned up. The FBI have turned up. Yeah, I did up. think about that. Yeah. I don't think the FBI are going to concern themselves with underage drinking. You never know. Yeah, we obviously can't find Toby Kellogg, so why don't we just make this bust now? Well, you know. Well, anyway, Jason Bateman is around the China. They didn't seem that fussed that cops had turned up, basically, to their party. Well, I while we're on the subject of the police so Jason Bateman goes to his best mate's house where China Phillips is and his mum is wondering where he is um, I'm surprised that the police have this task force looking for him and haven't gone why don't we stake out if you were Toby try and put yourself in his thing if your parents have gone if, you've two, if your uh, brother and sister have gone as well then where are you going to go you're going to go to either your best mate's house or somebody at school or something like that why didn't they just sit, put a car outside his house? And go, oh, he seems to have gone to his best mate's house. I don't understand why they didn't didn't look at that. Anyway, 
the hitman he the the hitman is uh, so I don't know at this point because I didn't make notes but I can't remember the, the See, taxi the good guy no I was actually yeah thinking about it there's a taxi there's a taxi driver that's the FBI guy masquerading mas- as a taxi driver that gets um, gets beaten up he gets run over by the bad guy in his car basically uh, as he gets out because uh, so at 59 minutes we have klaxon alert for the movie title Oh, it appears we're going after a moving target. <laughs> there you go. Just in case you're wondering why they came up with that. Um, they go to the they go to the vets. Um, basically, how he finds his parents because it's it's pretty oh, much. No, hang on. That's just a bit random because you haven't explained the vets. Oh, the, well, the vets. The, they right at the start. Right, yeah. China works at the vets and. They have a dog. What's the dog's name? Come here. That's the one thing I I, I used to go when it, when somebody said Jason Bateman. I said, "Oh, moving target." And occasionally in the eighties, there were people who watched that round by because obviously GC Video. It was a new release. People would have watched it, and I went, "Oh, it's great, isn't it? The dog was called cool. Come here. <laughs> that must have been hilarious." And yeah, it kind of still sort of still sex up now. Um, he orders specialised tags for the dog. That's right. That's right. And because the tags were engraved, there was a problem with engraving, they kept the address on file. Yes. So the family have moved for witness protection. Jason Bateman suddenly twigs and goes, wait a minute, we can find where the family are now because the replacement tags must be going to their new address. Mm. So, yes. Um, so that's what happens. Is He finds out where they are. Um, and then goes to takes a plane again. Yeah. Yeah. So takes plane. another plane. Yeah. No passport or anything. Obviously, just using these things like taxis. I don't think they do need a passport though, do they? In America, it's a don't they? Between states. Oh, that's the point. Yeah, because there's a, the there was a thing country. saying that. That's right. Okay. It's a domestic flight. Um. The witness protection. <laughs> they they didn't actually. They didn't actually move far, really, because, you know, um, the hitman follows them on the plane. And when they get to the other side, because they're traveling like incognito, Jason Bateman is just traveling with the one FBI guy who has a cold. And I don't know why the cold thing is important, because it's not really. It is. It's just a distraction, because you just think, oh, is there something that's going to happen here? Anyway, get to the airport. The hitman comes and stabs the FBI guy. Not before he then finds out the piece of paper. There's a piece oh, yeah. of paper no, written down. Gone to the loo, wasn't he? At that point, gone to the loo. He comes back and finds this. The hitman's already gone ahead to uh, to you know murder his family yeah, and take him out. So Jason Bateman finds them. The bad guy's on top of the roof. Jason Bateman's frantically going through the house. His parents aren't in. There's nobody there. He's going well, in. No, how does he get to the house though? Am I skipping what? How does Jason Bateman get to the I don't house? know. We didn't... I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. He folk... Fake calls... Oh, that's the right. Yes. Okay. He's outside the fire station at a phone box. So he puts a call in because he knows the address. Oh, there's a fire at this address. That's blah, right, because he doesn't know where it is. hops on the back of the fire engine. A bit like Back to the Future. Hops on the thing at the back. Yeah. That's where the comparisons end. Apart from Team Wolf, of course. Yeah. It's Michael J. Fox's Team Wolf, and ooh, yeah. there's a link. Ooh, ooh, ooh. tenuous at ooh. best, yeah. but still a link, nevertheless. Just an um, instance, I would say. He rings witness protection because he's got the number from the dead FBI guy. Do you remember he rings witness protection? And they go, "Our opening hours are like nine till five, and it's like <laughs> witness protection has opening hours. So he's sitting there, fearing for your life. It's eight eight fifty six. Going, oh god, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. I could be dead in three yeah, minutes. Yeah, could be dead in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so these fire engines create an almighty fire. There's 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 fire people going in to look for the fire. Jason Bateman going into the house to look for the killer. Eventually, he finds out. He sees his parents return, but figures out the killer's on the roof. He goes up there and basically has a struggle. Um, and I can't believe. Oh, he finds that no, he finds one of the protection FBI guys in the boot of the car. 
Dead. Remember that? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't bust yeah. that bit out. But here's the thing I don't understand. So here's here's the thing I don't understand. So the ki- the killer has gone on ahead, and the killer's gone. Do you know what? I've got a sort of automatic sniper rifle thing going on. Mm. I'm just going to mow them down as soon as I see him. Mm. Finds out that they're not in the house and goes to the roof, which is the most obvious place to go. And so I've got perfect view here. I can see everything. Right. So Jason Bateman takes the fire trucks all the way to the house. There's two fire engines that turn on. They get the hose out and everything to try and look for the fire and, you know, break the door in and all that sort of stuff, right? And if you're on top of the roof, you're seeing all this pretty much happen in real time. You're seeing a kid turn up at this house, which you at that point have to assume it's probably going to be Toby Kellogg, the Mm. one that you mistook in the the yellow jacket. When he gets up and opens the, like, skylight thing, the hitman must have been asleep. Because suddenly this is all a massive surprise that that there's somebody here. Yeah, true that. And it's like it's almost like he doesn't actually sit there and go, "Why are the fire engine? Oh, wait a minute, the fire engine people here. There's going to be loads of witnesses. It's going to be loads of witnesses. And cover's going to be blown and all this sort of thing." It's a complete surprise when Jason Bateman goes on the roof. Mm. It's very odd. Um, yeah, so he stops it. His family actually, his family family come back in between all these fire fire people there. Um, you know, they he doesn't get a shot off Jason Bateman and Jason Bateman pushes him off the roof and he's dead. And then then you see that his father actually did testify and he, it's a whole big family reunion. Everything's pretty good. The manager goes down. Fantastic. End of story. And then right at the very end, because he goes to college on a music scholarship, he's sitting on the bench at college and who turns up and sits next to him? China Phillips that says, I'm coming to me mu- I'm coming to music college with you too. Happily ever after. And I just it does we might not have done it too much justice and skip past certain things, but we can't talk about everything. It's nearly fifty minutes. We always envisage these podcasts to be about sort of forty five minutes with a bit of yeah, bit sorry, of thing guys. like Yeah, I'm really sorry. But when you watch it, I mean some of the things will make sense and when we figure out a way to get messages to us you know talk to us about these things we, I, I love stuff like this and I love getting into you know your people's thoughts on these films because you know there must be there are people out there that, that love Moving Target Wikipedia doesn't even classify it as a, as a film it classifies it as TV so when you look at China Phillips and you look at Jason Bateman's thing they don't class it as, as a film oh. they class it as TV and it's like well yeah I know it's a TV movie that was released to DVD, but I think Moving Target is a classic example of the, of the kind of reason why I set this podcast up. Mm. Because it is that is pretty much a forgotten gem. It's it's it, it's not it's not going to set the world on fire. No, the acting not is not going to be, but it's it's all right. I could I could quite happily go and watch it again. Yeah, I could watch it yeah. again. So maybe that's maybe we need to get some sort of maybe that's season two. We need to get some sort of grading things whereby we go back and then we could go back and grade all the others alright what would you get? well just what would you give that a 10 I'm going to give it a strong I'm going to give it a strong 8 I'd give it a 7 actually okay yeah I'd probably added the, the one on because of the fond memories but but yeah so that was moving target mm. ah, so like that. what are we doing next I don't know give some give some fodder Oof. I think we should do sci-fi do you reckon some 80s sci-fi there's loads to pick you can have like communion with christopher walken uh you can have um we can actually have the abyss do you know people don't talk about the abyss anymore oh, i've seen that quite a lot we haven't you haven't watched it since i've known you and that's like been i've, I've seen uh, the abyss like more than once which is a lot for me for a film all right okay but you just said you can see moving target again but okay all right well Let's let's leave that there. Well, it'll be a nice surprise, um, but it'll definitely be something. It'll be definitely sci-fi. Then should we say it? Definitely sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Obviously, eighties. Um, starring a big name. I don't think I've got many films that don't star a big name. I've not got something that's like starring Michael Warburton. <laughs> you know, and everyone goes who. who? And apologies if you, if my, if you're listening, Michael Warburton. If you are actually an actor, and I just don't know what I'm talking about, um, 
I'm sure I, well, anyway. Yeah, a cast of unknowns, basically. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have, I don't think I've collected the collection I've got. There's, there's, there's over, there's quite a lot of mm. films that I've identified. Well, if we do have any form of communication, if there's any films that you think that, you know, yeah, I do, be yeah, on the list. Absolutely. Of uh, films to watch. I mean, there might be films that you haven't even watched, maybe. Doubt it. Well, you but, never know. Okay. I, it might I, be I, first I, for both of us. For like, you watch. know, years and years and years, I rented everything that came out. Mm. So. Was that because you had no friends? Yeah, well, no, I watched them with my friends. <laughs> you sure. You know, like people, how people watch Netflix with now. With teddies. With friends. Oh. With teddies? Yeah. Well, I sat there. Okay, <laughs> teddies, look what I've got. I've got Back to School Star and Robert, Rodney Dangerfield. What? Oh. That's the film I want you to. That's the film we will need to do soon. Stars Keith Gordon, who starred in uh, the leading Christine Stephen King film. Not seen it. And in Jaws two, and Rodney Dangerfield, a uh, well, depending on your frame of mind, a sort of, I don't know, a sort of, I don't know how to describe Rodney Dangerfield. He's basically one of a kind. I loved him. I thought, I thought he was, he's brash. He's kind of like arrogant and stuff and. I always remember him from a film called Caddyshack, and that's on the list. Um, Caddyshack is oh, I adore for, for many different reasons, but we'll get to that when we do it. Um, so yes, uh, moving target, a strong eight from here, a seven. seven from you, and a sci-fi film in the pipeline to come. So thank you very much for listening, and um, we'll get some sort of Twitter handle. I don't know, should we do Twitter? To no, communicate, like, well, I don't mind the discussion Twitter. on Twitter. I don't, what somebody's going to give you boost? I, I think your strong eight on moving target is 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 a waste of time. Hell, I'd be like, do you know what? I don't care. I have somebody to talk about moving target with. <laughs> let's let's talk, even if you're going to sort. Oh yeah, it's fine. Well, how else are we going to do it? Telegraph. No. Telegraph. No, <laughs> I meant, I meant, like a telegram. <laughs> Yeah. Code, maybe? Begin, begin telegram. Loved moving target. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just love rusted junk. Stop. That's not the end. Stop. <laughs> it's stop, just stop. Stop. stop doing the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's not working. Right. Anyway, on that note, um, we'll, we'll love you and leave you. Yes. This has been rusted junk. Stop. <laughs>